tiny little lash. I gotta work on my streams. No, this good. is what that sounds like. Streams. I gotta work on my streams. Oh dear. Streams. Like what kind of streams? My thought streams thought or streams. my habit streams, I guess. Okay. Well, I started reading Atomic Habits and it's it's really mm. good. What um that? it's um I don't want to call it like a self-help book in that like like mm-hmm. getting it lumped into that sort of triteness. The 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 sort of very open-faced hustle of it. <laughs> but it is very like it is self-development, let's say, and he talks okay. about how I can blanking on the author's name now, but he talks about the habit how habits form. Okay. And how to work on habits cool unless i'm confusing that with a different book i mean i'm i think there's the power of habit and then there's atomic habits i'm power sure there's habits, that red book with the or the yellow book with the red like <laughs> looks like a i don't know hamster either, wheel or something I don't know either of these books but that's on, the, yeah that's on me that's, that's not, fine i mean this isn't a book this isn't yeah. a breath of fresh book yeah would that even be it yeah i don't know i would my brain always tries, my brain always tries really hard to like tune it to something else and it's like no it's just that's it yeah. movie that's yeah. the only part you can change um I, that was like i was gonna have something to say and i didn't um i just realized like well hey chelsea oh hey victoria <laughs> uh you know what i need what a breath of fresh movie me too okay there we go <laughs> This is a breath of fresh movie again. We're back. We're back. This would be episode. We keep coming back. We keep coming we're back. We're in the sixties, right? We're in the sixties. This should be sixty-one. Episode sixty-one. Is uh, no per sixtieth episode? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, I don't. There's no significance to that. No, it's just cool. That's you yeah. know, it's good, easy to remember that for some reason. I don't yes. know. I think that feel. I think it feel like well, for, easy for me to remember for sixty-one weeks uninterrupted service Mm -hmm. this podcast where me victoria harley and me chelsea pope she was taking a sip of water i'm sorry i'm I'm gonna be thirsty no it's okay take sips wait but uh each week we watch a movie neither one of us has ever seen and then we talk about it uh and we don't talk about everything but we will talk about anything yeah so there's just there's gonna be spoilers all over the place look out Uh, uh spoiler uh yeah so oh my god 61 weeks of uninterrupted service <laughs> i like the way that, so- that like sounds like we're very... um con edison oh yeah <laughs> i was i was yeah i was i was like i don't know why it was like comcast or some yeah, sort of something but no comcast has never had uninterrupted service. <laughs> no yeah they're always interrupted. The, or the anti-comcast i'm not sure any services experience i think we're we're the finest product there is at this moment as far as consistency I think yeah, um, did a good job. I think I just cursed us. Um, oh no! Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, knock on wood somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Today's episode is the 1990 comedy drama Postcards from the Edge, directed by Mike Nichols. Woo woo! But before we get into that, uh, there's a couple bits of housekeeping I have. Um, one is that we received an email. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Postcards from the Edge, and then also an email. I mean, how fitting is it's you know. It's close. Emails are the postcards of <laughs> the no millennia. Pic- there's no pictures here, but um, this is from a fella. We get a lot of emails from fellas named Mike. I, I swear I'm not. These are not made up. I would, <laughs> I would choose different names if they were. Yeah. Um, so this is from a fella named Mike who listened to our before trilogy. And I should have read nice. this last week, but I, I forgot. And I'm sorry, Mike. No, he sent this 11 days ago. That's cool. I, repl- I always reply to them on the day. But I don't always remember to talk about it on the pod, so I'm sorry. It's coming up now. It's only like a one week. I'm full of all these apologies. Whatever. Who cares? Stop it. All right. Uh, from Mike. I loved your discussion on the Before Trilogy. As someone who loves it and has watched each movie multiple times, I found your insights into the characters, their motivations, and how they all inform each other very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was happy to hear that you could call out the sort of not great but understandable characteristics of each character and how we can be empathetic, attracted, and repulsed by them while still identifying with them. This is very, very well written. I know. It's better than anything we said. That's, yeah. Uh, I also agree that Good Midnight job. has the best scene, the argument. He said, I saw it in a theater a few years after my own marriage fell apart, and it took my breath mm-hmm. away in its accuracy and realism. Yeah. But Sunset is the best of the trilogy. I did not want to share, not as a actually reply guy, hopefully, <laughs> or, uh-huh. or I did want to share, excuse me, a few Easter eggy things I love about the movie. 
you did talk a bit about waking life and waking life we have our lovely couple continuing their dialogue in a post-coital state that would fall after the end of before sunset also Linklater put a bunch of references to the novel ulysses by james joyce a book that takes place of the course of one day i did neglect to mention that i remember reading that good call yeah man uh you read you you got a lot in though thank you that's a fun that is a fun it's cool that he had that yeah because as it goes on uh the first movie took place on june 16th which is actually bloomsday the same day that ulysses takes place Oh, interesting. So there's this direct connection. The second movie has a reunion set at the Shakespeare and Company, and the original uh, SNC was the first place brave enough to publish Ulysses. Mm. So there's all these like little spider webby, you know, connections. This is a very informative email. I really appreciate this. Um, that makes a lot of sense with with yeah. Richard Linklater. Oh, and the reason they were brave enough is because the final scene of lovemaking in the novel at the time was considered very obscene. Uh, notice we never actually get the lovemaking itself in any of the movies and in the final movie it takes place in Greece which of course is where Odysseus was wandering around on his travels plus a bunch more obscure film references uh, to Ulysses I believe Celine talks about a movie whose title escapes me at the moment but whose main characters share the same names with the characters in Ulysses anyway he mm. says I think there's another reference to another movie anyway he says I wish my mind wasn't a blank Google's not helping regardless you covered I, a lot of ground there you did great Mike. dude you, you did, did great did you really Mike. went above and beyond that. Um, and he said regardless I offer this just for more fun we have thank you thank you we really appreciate it that he said um, you may have inspired a rewatch for me thanks for the pod oh that's very cool thanks for writing oh that's my god that's nice inspiring a rewatch that's mm-hmm. a good that's a good thing mm-hmm. to to do and i think he did follow up to say that the movie he couldn't remember was uh, journey to italy by rossellini so, oh okay I guess before midnight took some inspiration there so that's a nice thing i'm glad we started with nice that was very nice um one thing that's like a little less nice and i don't have an action item here it's just that i, I felt the need to share it because um, we watched Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, yeah. Many, uh, it's like our 19th episode, I think. I can't quite remember. Right. And there was a great character in there named uh, Chastity Pariah, who was played by Edie McClurg. Oh, and, okay. And we love Edie McClurg. She's been in playing James and Automobiles, yes. Ferris Bueller's yes. Day Off. Well, evidently, and this is from two weeks ago, um, Ferris Bueller actor Edie McClurg is an elder abuse victim. Oh, my God. Cousin alleges. Actor Edie McClurg and her caretaker were allegedly abused by a man who claimed to be the former's longtime friend. Basically, somebody came into her life and started involving himself. Now, the thing that I haven't mentioned here is that um, Edie McClurg has dementia and has been dealing with that for a number of years. And I don't again, I don't have like a I don't have an action item here. All I got to say is that like just she made us laugh yeah um and she is also in one of these kind of conservatorships similar to you know the one the thing that we're all now familiar with thanks to Mm -hmm. you know britney spears but there are a lot of people in these situations and they get forgotten about and you know it it makes me incredibly sad because she was just what a joy to watch on screen and i wasn't aware of this and i just i just felt like i just wanted to, to boost the story and let people know i don't i personally am not sure what we can do for her other than just... How did you, how did you come across this? Um, well, because I... I certainly haven't seen it on the... Yeah. The... You know what it was? It was Steve Martin's birthday mm-hmm. uh, recently. And I was watching that clip of where he's like, you can give me a fucking automobile and a fucking butt. You know, and he just, yeah. he's losing his mind at the, yeah. the auto rental counter at the airport. And she's that really rosy-cheeked, smiling right. customer service. Iconic. Rep, like, you know... Uh, iconic May acting. I see your rental agreement? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um... And I think, you know, I, it just led me down like a little bit of a, a rabbit hole. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, Edie McClurg is such a, mm. what a great scene partner. And I just, and when her name came up, I saw this story and I was just like, oh shit. Like it was kind oh of. Oh my God. So, I mean, it's not exactly a new story. Like I said, it, it it's about two weeks old. I was No, but like, that's, I, I, you know, I do appreciate you bringing that up because yeah. that is. Anyway, it's sad and um, good to boost. Yeah, I don't. Not something I, I was aware of. There's anyone who has anything they can do, or any, or or even if it's so. Just, so it's so they what what's going it, oh, on? Oh, so it's a conservatorship. Well, so that's what, what makes happened it difficult is, for like, her in, to separate from that. Yeah, like the issue is that her family filed for conservatorship back in 2019 because of her dementia. I don't know the whole story. I'm not doing mm-hmm. a good job, but I think essentially, like you know, somebody befriended her knowing that she was going to get worse and yeah. used his position to kind of insert himself and frankly just endanger her and you know take money and things like that I, again i don't know t- everything i mean i guess they they put like a restraining order against the guy and you know i mean action has been taken she's not trapped you know somewhere but right. it's just another like one of these stories where there are all these little threads that stick out of all of our 
all the things we talk about on this show and you know some are fun some are not and i just i love her and i think you know no, thanks for thoughts thanks for and prayers i don't know. i don't know but, but it is something that's that is even if it we just, should be talking about that more because that yeah. is an issue yeah I about just, how we treat the elderly well and and, and yeah like and that's somebody sorry, who my, my phone no, went off I, I initially had scheduled that vegas buffet the wrong date and it's reminding me for the wrong date <laughs> awesome so God, I, I could go it. for Vegas buffet. Right Sorry, now. I, that's such a oh. like so unrelated to just. My it phone is unrelated, going off. but I, that's okay. Um, the whole thing is just to say, take care of the elders, like in your life, like yeah, don't, you know, and please, this, and and yes, respect respect people, and and I think this is actually related to our. It is, is that, that weird, or is that is that is that too tacky for no. me to be like? No, no, no. Speaking of elders no. in well, need of care, I mean, let's segue. We're we're because we're talking about a very personal generational story that involves a whole lot of different and involves fame, right? And yeah, like the, we're talking about postcards from the edge. There as we you said. go. We we said which is to just give an, a simple log line. A substance addicted actress tries to look on the bright side even as she is forced to move back in with her mother to avoid unemployment. Mm-hmm. That's our movie. What did you think? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I almost thought it was gonna be heavier fare going into it because of what they're dealing with. Is very, it, it caught me off guard how lighthearted yeah. the film. I mean, not that there aren't definitely moments of more, you know, I mean, they take all the scenes seriously, too. Like, the scenes are all committed, I want to say. It's not dismissive. That feeling, like, of surprise. That's interesting that that's the observation. I don't want to, like, cut you off. I just was thinking about it. It was an observation made by a lot of people I read who felt, oh, this started as a movie about recovery from addiction. Uh Uh-huh. And then it kind of turned into, like, a comedy of manners. Yeah, I think it, it was interesting. Yeah, it felt like this was almost some sort of... Like if I was watching this go into a series about this this uh, woman's God. recovery and how what that's related you? to the business, I feel like I thought it was going to be a little more encapsulated, almost like a twenty eight, uh, tw- not twenty eight days later, 28, <laughs> 28 days um, situation or something that's a little more. I think um, like condensed timeline. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, post. Postcards from the Edge is going to totally get made into a series now that you've said that. I think like it, the, I feel the like butterfly the pacing wings. of that felt as though it yeah. could it it would oh, be abs- something that they turn all of like Irma Vep yeah. into yeah. I'm like into of course, a series. I'm like why haven't they done that yet? I'm surprised. Yeah, it's interesting. I I I'd be surprised if that if that hadn't been put out there in some way. Maybe it's it in development that. hell or something. Because I mean, Maybe. God, they did great gardens. And right. I felt like there were parts of this that reminded me a bit of Greg there Gardner's. is that that relationship balance and the over, you know so feeling beholden or or overbear having that overbearing parent or one mm-hmm. parent that's caught in sort of their glory days type yeah. of thing and then oh, the daughter yeah. that's sort of resentful but also reverent of it as well mm-hmm. that was very Grey Gardens I think yeah. about that dynamic yeah and I, I feel like there were the scenes I mean one thing there were so many scenes that. Um, where I feel like Shirley MacLaine, who plays the mother, yeah. uh, Doris, is like she's talking on her own steam. She's just fully on her own path. And it's like she's, yeah. if she hears her daughter Suzanne, played by Meryl Streep, it's like she's not registering it. Right. Like she has this kind of like, and it reminds me of like every kind of matriarchal right. figure, like whether it's Lucille Bluth or you know and not exactly the same but just that kind of hard-won confidence because you've been beat the fuck up by stupid shit before right like and you just don't have you want the best for your daughter but you also don't have time to entertain like yeah she has that moment when she's telling uh suzanne you know this is like essentially get over it yeah like you know have some class like you gotta you have to or you gotta let it go you know it's not it's best not to wallow in these things yeah it's like well of course it's not best but yeah um thinking about early on yeah it did feel much more like oh i thought also serious because there was um you know like strange dream sequences like when she walks down that hallway of posters and it's all right people who have uh overdosed like elvis and marilyn monroe and uh billy holiday John Belushi, who, of course, was a close friend of Carrie Fisher's. Right. Uh, Lenny Bruce is up there. And I didn't get this watching it, but I guess the, the nurse is Nancy Reagan. Kind of mm. like a just say no. I missed that. I, I, I would miss that, too, initially. But that makes yeah. that makes sense. I think, you know what else, too, like uh, from the initial watch, I was like, oh, this feels something sort of seminal for like 
what what we see more now, like Fleabag. I mm. felt like in mm-hmm. terms of Fleabag is the more, you know, it's a generations later, more reflective of the times yes. tone, I think. Whereas with postcards, this feels, it's like really getting to read uh, Carrie Fisher's diary in a sense, yeah. but her, but like we're, re- I feel like we're really seeing like a hardline POV yeah. of some, of someone. I felt like this comes off like such a, a, a chance to say from my own perspective, mm-hmm. this is what I've been going, what I've this is the dealt with yeah. or my, my perspective of the world. And this is my humor about it. Like, I think there's totally. sort of this like, very comedian self-awareness about it oh yeah there's there's some really razor sharp lines that are just tossed away right like with it's very it's very fast-paced dialogue yeah and i i i saw an interview with meryl streep and she was talking about how like they were like oh did you do much homework to prepare for this and she sort of laughed i was like well not really and that's not to disrespect the project she was like i just i really recognize that character as like a cynical part of myself like Mm -hmm. i was like oh i i I like this girl or i rep i know her i'm not going to try to do an impression of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Also, as much as people like to put this semi-autobiographical label on it, and I think the book certainly sure. is more rooted in autobiography or semi-auto, but the book is also like a, it's a plotless collection of different right. missives Oh, this letters. Is, this is certainly this not is a, a literal carbon copy. No, you can no, see Meryl's adap- putting her own individual yeah. uh, flavor yes. to it. And the same with Shirley MacLaine as well. Like, I think there there's... Something about watching, and like we've talked about this before, we're watching her. Um, she has this. She similarly exudes this this sort of um, very distinct, uh, confident energy mm-hmm. that is like I just I feel like it's just so mm. that is what that is what Shirley does. Oh yeah, and she like commands it, and that's and I think that's it puts a different flavor on it. It's not like you're not you're no, you can't look at Shirley MacLaine in this movie and think like. Oh, this is just like a carbon copy of what Debbie Reynolds was probably no. like. No, this, is, this doesn't feel like that. It no. feels like they really took these characters and made them into yeah. what felt real for them. Yeah, and again, Carrie Fisher, I didn't mention this, but Carrie Fisher wrote the screenplay. Which I think we implied. Oh yeah, we, so, so this is very we much implied sort of it. We implied it. We didn't flat you out didn't say know it. that already. Okay, she, she wrote the book, um, and she was approached to write that book because right when she got out of rehab, she wrote a piece or did an interview in Esquire, mm-hmm. which led to this invitation to write this book. And then Mike Nichols and various other people, I think, were kind of interested in doing a film about recovery uh, and approached her about adapting it. But then when she sat down to do it, she's like, well, of course, I had to create a story because the, there was really no story in the book. And I had to approach it. it. It's a whole new piece of work. You know, it's it has some similar themes, but like really... There's not a, a ton like in common. It's like right. thematically it's the same. Um, what I think I definitely went in kind of thinking, oh, is this is this what like what you said? Like, are we reading her diary right now? Is this yeah. like, how much of this is real? And I must admit, I'm a little embarrassed that maybe I assumed that it must be so much rooted in her experience. Sure. And that's what a lot of people assumed. But I saw this interview with Carrie Fisher in it's like 1990 and. Um, what did, she said something very specific about how I wrote about a mother and an actor, a mother actress and a daughter actress. I'm not shocked that people think it's about me and my mother. It's easier for them to think I have no imagination for language, just a tape recorder with endless batteries. Oh, that's you know, I think that's more than valid. <laughs> but at the same time, not to like shoot down your, you know, what I you don't feel saying. I don't feel shot down because yeah. I think it's impossible. Like I don't think you have to know like that, that this is. This is a reflection of her life Absolutely. to a certain capacity, but obviously in and terms like, of her being able to, it's, I can understand feeling like it's very reductive because it, yes. it, it discredits the quality of the, the actual storytelling in this film because yeah. it is a very tight it is. sort of arc I of mean, that I, relationship and like the sort of bookends and there's a lot of parallels a, in the beginning and the end. And there's a lot of comedic banter. That's like, I mean, it's a good watch. It's, it's, it sounds written in a good way. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not, no, it, it moves quick. It's a good, it's a good watch. It's very witty. And yeah, the, I think the, the first part, not that it's exclusive to the beginning, but all of the stuff with her on set yeah. felt very, real and surreal mm-hmm. like in the way that 
Um, I, God, there were so many moments that were clearly there to remind you that films are fake. Did it give you at any point like a Pedro Almodovar vibe? Yeah, Especially totally. Especially we're, we're dealing with these themes of the mom and daughter. We've oh seen these sort of very meta no, it's film so shots. like high heels kinda, or It kind of reminded me of that yes. the Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down no, with that, that film set and I this think, thematically like reflecting things. And Yeah, I think it's funny. I've been like sitting here trying to figure out what this has been reminding me of and I think that is it yeah. because I've like especially that scene where they're with her agent and, right and Doris is just going a mile a minute and, and is, yeah. Suzanne's sitting there just like oh my god like this reminds me of that yeah it's also yeah High Heels sim- also the the mom and parallel mothers yeah you know? right right oh my gosh yeah. right god there's so much of that oh it and that's like the other thing about this it's like Okay, maybe it's not, you know, I mean, I Nichols also was defending this idea because he says, Carrie doesn't draw on her life any more than Flaubert did. It's just that her his life wasn't as well known. Mm. So, you know, of course we have opportunities to like, and there's kind of this like bit of gossip that floats around the movie. But I think they know that and they're playing with it because, I mean, I, of course, my ears perked up when they were like, when she's like, would you rather have Lana Turner for a mother or Joan Crawford? And she's like, mm-hmm. are these the options? Like, <laughs> no, these are great. I mean, these are such great retorts. Like, I yeah. think Meryl Streep does such a good job of playing them very. She's great. Uh, it's, it's It has that, it, again, it, that the tone, it, it caught me off guard. I would say ultimately in a good way how this felt almost like I was watching like the extended pilot of like a, like an HBO comedy or something. Mm-hmm. It had that vibe. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's funny that you brought up Irma Vep because I was like, that's a, that was, a, you know, of course, the film about filmmaking, but the series is very, the series feels a little bit like this, like, yeah. and, or at least the first part of this movie. Um, I mean, I also felt like there were a couple of moments, oh, you know, just to that uh, Almodovar thing, there was another dubbing scene, right? Yeah. Like a scene where she's watching herself and she's emotional and yeah. she's trying to dub her own lines and oh yeah I, and, and i was like got, this feels have... very very yeah. like holy shit related okay. to There's it. Some interest... like if there was a double feature with these I would, oh i would with, go with this and i would absolutely go um yeah. i just gotta admit like, give a quick rundown of the cast because yes. there's so many good people of course we mentioned meryl streep shirley mcclain Okay, I don't like Dennis Quaid, but you know. I mean, he did a good job playing a scumbag. He in was this. pretty good. Spoiler as a alert! He's a scumbag. Spoiler alert! I mean, it's really all he should. It's be pretty. Used for. It's pretty obvious. I think from the top, like it oh, kind of. Yeah. I feel like you see the turn coming pretty quick. Uh, it's not a shock. No. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gene Hackman, Richard Dreyfuss, yeah. who is kind of my favorite. The doc- oh, the doctor who pumped her stomach. Oh yeah, he's he was he had that silver fox quality I for sure. Totally would have gone out on a date with that guy. It's interesting. Um, it's Rob Reiner, uh, Annette Benning, Oliver yeah. Platt. Oliver Platt, who's yeah. got the baby face. Like, wow. It's yeah. incredible. And I had just been watching him in The Bear or something. And I'm oh, like, right. Is he in The Bear? He has a small role okay. in it. Yeah. He's great. Uh, he's and, in so much. And Mary Wicks is the grandmother who I just, I loved her so much. So yeah. I, and, and Mary Wicks has been in a lot of... She it, felt like very much like she just wandered in from like a like doing some sort of Neil Simon play or oh, something. Yeah. She I felt mean, very much she did a lot in of, that world yeah. of like, wow, you're just a... Yeah. Like, and walking around like, like a chicken. You there know, you go, yeah. yeah she's no, doing she, all that analogy she, talk. She feels like she walked off of like, she, she is character actress... Like, yeah, with every kind, of, she's got her sad card. You know, yeah. like that so woman, it feels very much like that woman a, works. Yeah. It feels like a very comedy statement about like Meryl coming yeah. from Shirley, coming from, from that, that woman. Like yep. there's this sort of different iteration of like a a, a performance yeah. woman. Well, <laughs> and it's always gratifying, right, for the the youngest to see the old, the see your mother yeah. have a mother or yeah. have a father, you and see to, see how they kind of. Uh, juxtapose that and now yeah. you're kind of like now they're the child now person- oh. te- personality types are just ricocheting back and yeah. forth yeah yeah between it's, generations it's incredible yeah um so yeah what a great cast and like um and just a little funny note is annette benning you know she's playing a contemporary of meryl streep's but she will eventually become shirley mcclain's sister-in-law because uh-huh. uh she married warren Beatty. right so and yeah, I, I was like, I, I yeah. had to look up after if that happened before or after oh, this after, movie. Yeah. Was like way after timeline sure. wise. Yeah. Well, not way after, but after. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of wild because I, I, 
I didn't know Shirley MacLaine and Warren Beatty were like brother and sister until like a year ago. And yeah. it still is something I feel the need to tell people. Well, I got confused because when I saw Annette Benning, it was like, oh, yeah, because she's Shirley MacLaine's daughter. And I was like, wait, no, 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 no Sister in law. Yes, right. Okay. She's younger. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Younger, <laughs> younger than Warren. No. Yeah. Um, quite a bit younger yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah. but we don't care um there's well. okay so yeah speaking of just like famous mother and daughters there were a lot of actresses who wanted to be doris and wanted like like okay janet lee wanted to be doris so that uh-huh. her daughter jamie yeah. lee curtis could be suzanne yeah yeah um this huh. is sort of sad lee remick was considered for doris and ended up being diagnosed with terminal cancer and oh. couldn't do it and that's just sad because god not only do you get terrible news but you lose a great job you yeah. know like how much do you hate yourself oh my god i'm sorry <laughs> i mean just like uh, sucks for her i mean i'm just saying like i would yeah i mean hopefully that wasn't the case i hope lee remick was surrounded by people who loved her and cared about her and right you know that she went peacefully um, but oh God, I, this is this is a dark. It's dark. This dark, shit's dark. I mean, this whole episode. This is a dark episode. Um, and then Debbie Reynolds herself, Carrie Fisher's mother, wanted to be Doris. Wow. Which that wouldn't have certainly that would have dispelled no. the idea that this was about them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's like yeah, it's really not helping Carrie's argument. Yeah. To like, and, like, don't don't fully associate this. No. Just already such a I don't know. I'm sorry. It's a little bit of an unfair asking. You know, like you can't. Horrible. You can't. No. Yeah. And Mike Nichols, of course, was like, we got Shirley. We got Shirley McLean. Yeah. Um, it was, was great just, casting. Oh God. And he's like, he just told her, uh, which apparently in Debbie Reynolds' memoir, she said that Mike said to her, "You're just not right for the part." Oh, so, which really? is kind of a nice compliment, yeah, right? You know, yeah. like you're too, which is actually the truth. Like, I mean, Carrie Fisher, or not Carrie Fisher, sorry. Um, Debbie Reynolds did not have a drinking problem like right. this. Not that we know of anyway. Right. Um, and she and Carrie Fisher did not fight like this, you know. Mm. And in that same interview I was alluding to earlier um, from like the 90s, Carrie Fisher mentioned like, right, like we have to, <laughs> it's not interesting to watch two people who get along and by the end of the movie they get along better yeah (laughs) there's nothing interesting about that like so yes we have to invent some things we have to you know inject drama into it right and man there's some drama in this i mean that line about it twirled up (laughs) i fucking died when i heard that she's great i mean her performance is just like i mean just yeah Full, full to attend. Oh my gosh! Not like loud to attend. No, but like just, just good, just good. Yeah. Um. Evidently, at the read through, like the first, you know, the read through for the whole cast, um, which you know, actually, I'm not, you know, I don't act, so I, I, it, I had to sort of learn or be reminded of this. But it's like, right, that's really the only time you have everybody together. Yeah. And you go from top to bottom, and you feel that whole energy. The rest of the time, you're trying to like reconnect to that moment, right? Because right? you're doing everything out of order, and you're trying to make it fresh and, um. So at Meryl Streep herself, she said like, oh, I, you know, I love the read through. That's like the best, best part. It's the yeah. best part of the whole thing. She didn't really feel the pace of mm-hmm. where things are at. But she said uh, that song that Shirley MacLaine does, that, which is a Sondheim song, by the way. Um, she was like, she had those moves at the read through. So good. And I was so like lived in that performance. Yeah. So lived yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. And, you know, it, I guess Meryl Streep was like, yeah, it really set a tone that was good for reflecting the film you know yeah. put, it put me in a place you yeah know. Meryl Streep did do all her own singing in this though right yeah I, I was she's I enjoyed not, that I was like yes this is she's this, not bad well, we, well, we, we know we're that. not we do saw it was Mama, Mama Mia, Mia. Yeah, yeah exactly uh what else uh, I guess into the wood I don't know I guess oh yeah ones. no 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 totally yeah uh let's see Carrie Fisher did admit that the grandmother character might have been the closest thing to reality. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can, I can, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, what else do I got? Okay, so this was uh, produced and distributed by Columbia Pictures. Uh, just a few locations. The opening scene, which is like this movie set drama thing, uh, was the, oh, fuck, I'm going to fuck this up. Uh, Terra Ana Bluffs in Rancho Palos Verdes, California. Uh, the house that most of it was shot in is at 243. Uh, oh, great. Let's go. 243 Delfern Drive in the Holmby Hills area of L.A. So if you want to go, check it out. 243 Delfern Drive. Let's go. Um, the house, when they were filming at it, was owned by an actress named Connie Stevens, who was once also married to Eddie Fisher, like Debbie Reynolds. Interesting. <laughs> There's too many... Cross the world. Oh my God. Okay. And then all of these scenes where they're on set were shot on the back lot of Warner Brothers. And, gotcha. you know, very much 
probably see storefronts that you'll see in Gilmore Girls. You know what I mean? Oh, like, awesome. Like it's that same, yeah. you know, it's the same four street corners or whatever. Right. Um, it's been worth mentioning that um, Streep and McLean are only 15 years apart in age. Right. Creative yeah, license. Yeah. No, so. Noticed that as well. But just, I think they... Just saying. Yeah. Um, that song, uh, I'm Still Here, that Sean McLean performs, that lived-in performance. Stephen Sondheim did actually, I guess, write special lyrics for McLean herself to sing. Oh, wow. So, he, so there's a little Sondheim thread in here, and I like that. Oh, we get like a little postcards at it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's cool. Yeah. You know, like very cool. Um, also, somebody has posited the idea that uh, this movie was somewhat therapeutic for Mike Nichols because he had just made Working Girl with Melanie Griffith, mm. who was battling cocaine addiction. Oh, and snap. to the point where she would be um, so intoxicated that it, she couldn't deliver lines, you know? And she ended up being fined like $75,000 by the studio. <laughs> I mean, it was a big issue. Yeah. And he. Well, so that's pretty close to home. Right. And Melanie Griffith also has a famous mother, Tippi Hedren. Wow. So it's like. Yeah. And had to check into rehab so that's and, kind of that there's that parallel going so there's on. so much and so um yeah i guess the dp who worked on working girl also worked on postcards from the edge and was like yeah i think i think mike he's working this. out he's working, out <laughs> he's some, working stuff. some shit out yeah, yeah this is his this, this is, is his actually diary entry actually <laughs> yes that's the truth it's really more about mike nichols and melody griffith than it is about carrie fisher that's and that's Debbie fascinating to know yeah i know yeah. right and when Fisher and Nichols were, were in development for this, he suggested that she really study the film The Bad and the Beautiful from 1952, directed by uh, Vincente Minnelli. And I got to tell you, that is a great movie. You've seen it. Oh, okay. yeah. And it is. Well, so we're never going to do it. No. Sorry, well, guys. we could do it for a breather. Eh. You know, It's a great we'll movie. See. I love movies about Hollywood that are very sure. cynical, like Sunset Boulevard. And, and this came out in the 50s, yeah, too. I'd be 50s. interested to see oh, one good. from that time. Oh, you'd love it. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good cast. Yeah. Very, very cynical. Fucking great. Um, so I think it's, and also like, right, Vincente Minnelli, very Judy Garland. And then right. Liza Minnelli, when she saw this movie, was like, oh, this is, this is very accurate. <laughs> like, Liza loved that. Like, um, so I don't know. There's just a lot of, again, all yeah. these weird little webs and things. Yeah. Uh, one important question. Would you go out with the doctor who pumped your stomach? I mean, like, I get her reaction, honestly, like, in the moment, because that is Fair. kind of a weird thing. But it's also, like, why not? He's senior. He's, he's, he's cute. He was kind of cute. It was but it's also, like, I don't know. Like, it is a little weird. It's like, oh, you're, like, you pumped my stomach. You were and inside me. Well, just, like. <laughs> no, I know. Like, like as that's happening, he's, like, I'm going to ask this girl out. Right. <laughs> Well, that is a little inappropriate, and yeah. her answer is legitimate because not that I mean I don't know I mean if you're no, if you're cute no, like no. Richard Dreyfuss in this I, I mean he was kind of cute. I'm not saying no, was, there wasn't there was that vibe of like oh they'll eventually go on he'll a, wait. on a date. He said he'll yeah, wait. He said, yeah, I mean I'm like wow. I'm like ooh okay all right okay. Didn't know. I well, had, I mean we just we watched I, Asshole City with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Although, like, I think he actually played it pretty natural. It must come naturally, or so I don't know. We're just we're just hating on him without any context. But. I mean, I have plenty of context. Sure. No, I'm not a fan of Dennis. Clay. But we haven't we haven't had like a, a we haven't no. had a dialogue about it on the podcast. No, because we didn't watch Jaws yeah. 3D together. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm not going to speak anymore again. Just well, I've just always hated him since parent trap because I, like ugh, you know yeah. bitch, the, what, what kind of parents just divvy up kids and say and we're done yeah that's so that's why i and, hate dennis we'll quaid. tell you yeah that's why i hate dennis quaid. of course think, he was a okay dennis quaid just a little he has a podcast or he did called yeah. the dennisance <laughs> so i'm just gonna leave it there hey if you got a good name pun you know <sighs> is it good <laughs> i'm not sure that's the right word no but he's he's so he's so like mm -hmm. smarmy oh he's so smarmy he's so sm like like though like he 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 gets on 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 her case like yeah. so hard like like I mean, not to mm, I, i'm not i don't want to say like there was no purpose for him in there but at times i did question i felt like like it feels sort of gratuitous you know, like I don't. Yeah, I didn't need like a romantic side story. Again, felt like it was this. This this would be a series kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think Alec Baldwin was considered for that role, uh, which mm. I I don't know why I brought that up. That could have been endearing. That or I feel like that would have like I I could see the I, I mean, could see the the suave Alec Baldwin there. 1990 absolutely right. that was his prime. 
Yeah. You know. Uh, it's just so much. He's just yeah kind of falling off something, some kind of deep end. Sure. Okay. It's un- yeah, no, it's an yeah. un- unfortunate circumstance. Sad episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, a this sad is such episode. a negative episode. I'm oh good God. with it. Let's just lean into it. All right. Um, so... Speaking of some negativity, I have some rep- receptions and reviews we can argue with. Um, All right. It was released September 12th, 1990. Ebert was disappointed because he said it never really delivers on the subject of recovery from addiction. He felt the scenes were incomplete and the film is really preoccupied with the gossip. Like we're encouraged to wonder how many parallels there are. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I don't think he's, he's not wrong. wrong. He's not like, wrong. I don't yeah. think he's wrong. Hal, oh, sorry. But, no, yeah. go, okay. go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Hal Henson of the Washington Post said, uh, Nichols is finally attuned to the natural surreal surreality <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> of a movie set. But when he moves away from the showbiz satire and concentrates on the mother-daughter relationship, the movie falters. Uh, although he did point out that this is Meryl Streep really showing off her comic chops. Because right. up to this, she had done lots of very sad, weepy stuff. Like yeah. Sophie, Sophie's Choice and A Cry in the this Dark. This is a good and, role for her. Oh, this, she's yeah. so good in this. She's yeah. such a... And they were just pointing out, we suspected this, but she's proving she's great with comedy. Too. Right. So this is part of that versatility thing we always say about Meryl. Right? right. It's like, and that's, you know, just to diverge a little bit. She comes from a repertory theater background, mm-hmm. which, right, you, you carry a bunch of characters inside you and bring them forth depending on the roles. Right. You, you have a version of a wicked woman or you have a yeah. version of a, a worrying mother. Or you have a version of, you know, whatever it is. I yeah. Don't, and I thought that was... You know, as much as because she she seemed I mean, she's also seems kind of humble despite all the accolades like she really does seem like a yeah. woman that just would be cool. To hang yeah, out with. It's, it's, yeah, um, absolutely. So it's great for that. Um, he also this Hal Hinson, the WAPO also felt that it turns maudlin at the end. And hmm. I can sort of see that, you know, ends with a musical number or not right. musical, but it ends with a song. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of suddenly we're in kind of like. Yeah, I mean, we and we do spend a lot of the movie in her career world. That's true. Um, as a or, or her sort of a way, like we we don't. It's it's not all mom mommy daughter stuff no, all the no, way. No. It's actually it was it was more sparse than I expected. I thought oh, it was going to yeah. come up a lot more. No, and it's funny because you know these two reviewers weren't crazy about that, but I think. What was nice was to read from Peter Travers. Uh, I tried to find a woman who wrote a review. It was hard. Uh, But Peter Travers said that um, Fisher neatly skewers Hollywood pretension. uh, And by the end, Suzanne forges a tentative truce with her mother instead of defining herself through a man. Judged on the sexist terms of the most recent Hollywood fair, Postcards is revolutionary. Mm. And I'm kind of inclined to... I like that take because I think everybody's kind of complaining about this like, oh, but the mother-daughter thing and oh, this. And it's like, well, maybe it's about what it's not about rather than what it is about. Yeah. And I I was glad to just have that sort of... Yeah, because it's it's nice that she doesn't... It isn't just like, oh, well, then she just gets to the doctor and everything's fine. or I mean, even though it's obviously implied, they'll maybe at least go on a date. But she she sets like a boundary of wanting to like... Yeah, which is like... That, take care of that, herself. that's treated as a happy ending yeah you know like i mean it reminds me of little women and the, and the mom also celebrating the daughter like the mom and daughter having mm-hmm. mutual this, respect for this, each other this and- love that's a through line and prevails at the end um yeah we i mean we see so many of uh you know whether it's like in exploitation or whatever you see the 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 aging beauty you know envious of the youth or there's there's just oh like there's yeah. this butting of heads that just or the whole like i mean two to an 11 you know yeah. the mommy dearest um, well i mean i'm also thinking about you this know. uh mccurdy memoir oh yeah there's out. that con- there's always just such that that the through line of contention yeah, between the, mothers and daughters in the in the industry yeah and, and to see that there's some sort of yeah i believe there's a line yeah. in this film about like how could I compete with you? What if one of us won? You know, yeah. there's kind of this understanding that like we shouldn't allow ourselves to be locked into this kind of thing because it's bad for both of us. It's not yeah, good it's for anybody. Yeah, this back and forth of yeah, and, yeah. And I think that's, I think there's a lot of sort of quote unquote feuds and things that loved. You know, the people love to just read stories about the rich. Yeah, and the newspapers are ready to <laughs> here yeah. you go. Yeah, you know. So we love, you know, we love to. We, we'd rather believe the, the legend, right, than mm-hmm. the truth. And I think there was probably a lot of understandable weariness maybe promoting this movie yeah. and answering the same kind of questions over and again. Um, I would like to share briefly just some other movies that were out around the same time. 
a lot of them I was like, I would never see any of these. <laughs> I didn't even know. Okay, there was Repossessed, okay. Hardware, uh. Uh, White Hunter, Black Heart, State of Grace, The Rain Killer, Blood mm. Salvage, Grim Par- Prairie Tales, <laughs> Grim Prairie Tales, I'm sorry, wow. Death Warrant. But then a week later, Goodfellas came out. Oh, okay. And Miller's, and Miller's Crossing. And I'm like, yeah. those were basically the two good things at the back end of 1990. Um, the things that were number one at the box office included Ghost. Postcards was number two. Mm. So it did well, despite all these people being like, mm, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Presumed yeah. Innocent was number three. Flatliners, number four. And Dark Man, number five. To just give people a sense of what well, was... Co- Flatliners. Is Flatliners. That? Yeah, right. you remember that show? Yeah. In our director's chair this week, Mike Nichols. Right. Who, I mean... We, yeah. we know about Mike Nichols. Yeah, we've talked about him. Because we've talked about Elaine May. Yeah. A lot. Indeed. And we haven't done a Mike Nichols movie. Have we? Yeah, I thought we had. Had we? Have we not done a Mike Nichols I don't Nichols think we have. Movie? Like, I'm, I'm because I, there's things I, I know. I just feel like we talked about him so much, though. But we did through Elaine May. Right. But, like, we haven't looked at I'm any so of I'm so sick movies. of this guy. <laughs> oh, my God. He does get a lot. I mean, to be honest, like, the amount of detail I'm about to share, it's like, I didn't have nearly Haven't much. we given this guy enough? I know. I was like, I didn't have nearly this much about Elaine May, simply because she doesn't want it to exist. Well, no, know? but that's not, I mean, yeah. Um, he's, also, he's so he's been profiled. prolific. He, he, you know, I have his book. I haven't finished it, though. Um. Anyway, Mike Nichols was born... Igor Mikhail Pachowski. Okay. I hope I said that right. He was born in Berlin, Germany in 1931. His mother, Brigitte Landauer, was a German-Jewish woman, and his father, Pavel Pachowski, was a physician. His maternal grandfather, Gustav Landauer, was a theorist on anarchism. Okay. Which I'm like, guy who gets into improv comes from anarchistic roots. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Um, His grandmother, Hedwig Lachmann, was also an author, and I just love the name Hedwig. And also, okay, this is crazy in his family. Through his mother, Nichols is a third cousin twice removed of Albert Einstein. Mm. So dude's got some, like, interesting genealogy. Um, Good for him. Yeah. Uh, when he was four years old, he was left permanently hairless after a botched whooping cough uh, vaccine. And so he wore a wig and fake eyebrows he was, his entire he was life. Hairless? He was hairless? Wow. I did not know this. I guess I didn't really. I've never really looked at. I just thought he was really clean shaven, you know. Because yeah. he does kind of have a little bit of a baby face on some of those like photos with Elaine May. And I'm I guess like, I've never really taken a hard look at. The I guy. never took a hard look either, and he's got good wig work, I guess. Good the eyebrow work. Good eye. Well, he's doing it since he was four years old. So, yeah. like, you know, you get good at it. But I had no idea, and it's not an important detail. But damn, I, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting fact. It's, it certain, it's not. It's not. It's not a dour fact. No, so no, it's nice. we're it's not a little more lighthearted. I mean. Good for him, you know. Yeah, good for him. Uh, okay, let's. That. Less of a pain, honestly. Is it less, <laughs> less shower drain issues? I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be okay, maybe. I don't know. I like my red hair, though. So, um, so again, he was born in Germany, uh, but we all know things got tough there. In April 1939, the Nazis began arresting Jews in Berlin. And at that point, that's when the family decided to send the seven-year-old Mikhail and his three-year-old brother Robert to the United States to be with their father, who had emigrated a little bit ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Their mother later escaped through Italy, so everybody was reunited. Oh, wow. They all got out. Uh, they were reunited together in New York City. Uh, at that point, uh, he, his father changed his name to Paul Nichols, because Pavel Nikolaevich, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a lot, <laughs> and he's like... Um, and he quickly established a medical practice. Although I did learn that he, um, before he got his medical license in the United States, his, one of his first jobs was working for a union, uh, sort of in the health thing. He was taking x-rays of people in the union, but I guess all that exposure to the radiation, they didn't really know what they were doing. So mm. he, it ended up contributing to him dying like young. Wow. So it's kind of fucked up. Um, young Mike Nichols attended PS 87 in Manhattan. Uh, he then attended the Walden School, which is a private progressive school, and I can only imagine if it's called the Walden School. Yeah. Like, go out into the go out into Central Park today. Um, he did attend NYU for a little bit, but then drops out. In 1950, he enrolls in the pre-med program at the University of Chicago. Uh, however, he's still interested in theater, and uh, he's taking other kinds of gigs. Like, in 53, he starts working as an announcer of a classical radio station, WFMT, mm. um, where at, he was asked to program a Saturday night folk music program called the Midnight Special, which was a mixture of like satire, folk music, show tunes, farce. This program is still on the air. Mm. Like that's how good a format that dude established. Yeah. Still on, same time, same place. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Now, 
meeting Elaine May happens at the University of Chicago. And as far as I'm concerned, this is like when his life begins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, you know. and I don't know. We covered a lot of ground before that. He though, had a lot. So. He had a lot going on. I'm not denying right. it. But I'm like, nope. It begins with Elaine. He was acting in a play. And he saw her while he was on stage. She was sitting in the first row. And they made eye contact. And that was it. But later on, they you know, serendipitously ran into each other in a, like a, a train station. Mm-hmm. And he started talking to her in kind of like a foreign accent, like he was a spy. Uh-huh. And she did it right back. That's fun. And I'm like, God damn, I love that. Where's that biopic? I know. Oh my God. They'll ruin it though. They'll get it wrong. Yeah, unless they do like, like cool stuff where they focus on those moments of chemistry. Cause that would be a fun thing yeah. too have have gotten yeah. to and they were watch. it is worth mentioning they were briefly romantically involved and i have to imagine that like being vulnerable on that level could only strengthen i mean everyone said he got so much better at improv after he met her mm. um that's that he went to nyc for a little bit uh he went back to new york to train in uh method acting with lee strasberg but he couldn't get any stage work so mm. he goes back to chicago there's a lot of like back and forth back and forth um and he joins the compass players we talked about them on a couple of our Elaine May episodes. Um, and in that's like mid fifties. This is where, you know, um, Del Close was a part of this and like uh, Elaine May and a bunch of other, you know, seminally important, whatever. And this is where improvisation was, I don't know, not born, but the second city thing, right? Yeah. It all comes out of Compass Players and University of Chicago just being into that. Um, and so of course they developed this great chemistry and they formed the duo Nichols and May, which, you know, they record three grammy nominated albums that do incredibly well they they take over broadway i mean they're the greatest thing and then they quit you know or they, yeah. they dissolve and they leave no blueprints nothing no way for anyone to imitate them i mean they just they come wow. and they're gone Poof, you know just amazing um and you know if you want to know more about elaine may you should go back and listen to uh our first and i want to say 20th episode mm. like that was it and some others we've we've got others there's yeah, others yeah, yeah. i'm sorry i've forgotten already but um what happens though for Nichols is that um, when Nichols and May disbands and they go their separate ways, he falls into directing on Broadway, which falls into mm. his nice. I mean, he gets the you know this incredible opportunity to do that, and he does you know Barefoot in the Park and The Knack and The Odd Couple, um, and then he transitions into filmmaking or filmmaking and directing in film with uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in 1966, and this is really like everyone's like who is this mike nichols you know people are calling him the new orson wells they love him he's being crowned you know it's like the number one film of 1966 it won five academy awards it was nominated for 13 um it's just this big seminal work um and then he does the graduate a year later (laughs) there you go i I can't we can't talk about everything guys (laughs) but he has a good eye he's got a lot going on um then he, you know, not everything he makes is great. I like Catch-22, which was made in 1970. Not everyone likes that. Mm-hmm. Tough tough book to adapt. Another book that was adapted into a series. Um, he did Day of the Dolphin in <laughs> 1973. Fortune, 1975. He directed Gilda Live, which I guess was a documentary about Gilda Radner mm-hmm. uh, in 1980. Did Silkwood, also with Meryl Streep, 1983. Heartburn, Biloxi Blues, Working Girl, which we mentioned. Uh, regarding Henry, Wolf. The Birdcage, which Elaine May scripted, Primary Colors, same deal. Gotcha. Then uh, What Planet Are You From, which I believe was a Gary Shandling. I believe that was a bit of uh, not, I don't not know. a great one, I don't, I don't think. Uh, he did Closer in 2004. I did not remember that, but I totally saw that movie. Yeah. It's basically like four actors, no one else almost. Yeah. Like, anyway, he did that. And then the last film he made was Charlie Wilson's War. And he also did some Emmy direct, like he won Emmys because he did directing for, I think it was Angels in America and Wit. Gotcha. He did all that. got to work with Meryl again. Yep, got to work with Meryl again, exactly. Um, He's also, and he has an EGOT. Uh, This guy has two Emmys, one Grammy, one Oscar, and eight Tonys. Oh, wow. Uh, And those are his wins. His nominations would be- uh, Even more expensive. Two Emmys, three Grammys, five Oscars, and 16 Tonys. Yeah. Anyway, the guy is, you may have heard yeah, of him. he's pretty prolific. <laughs> you may have heard of him. Um, I think, oh my God, that might be the end of that. Yeah. I, think, I think, yeah, we can talk about. I think that's enough. Who's your best supporting player? Definitely Gene Hackman. <sighs> I love that you said that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Tell me why. Just, I mean, he's great. He was great. He was that perfect amount of, um, you know, a little bit humorous, kind of a sharp dick, but he's also empathetic. 
Yeah. And I think that there's actually like a really nice moment when she's re-recording the lines at the end and there's this um, redemption, you know, like I think he sees her showing up and like is receptive to that. Yeah. And I found that 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 was what really took it. That That's what won that best supporting for me, yeah. I think, you know, I loved those oh, that first. I liked that dynamic he had on the set and then I like how stern he gets with her and I like seeing those different. I think there was. I think he he shows he show some some maybe I don't know if range is the right word but mm -hmm. I think that there's definitely um, I, I liked that that relationship we got to see between her and between that director and Suzanne. I agree. Yeah. I mean I I'm struggling to come up with a better nomination. I don't <laughs> think I have one. Honestly. Oh man. Well, I mean I yeah. I'm I don't sorry. know. You like the, the Unless, grandma? I would. Say I did like the grandma. That's true. Mary She's, Wicks. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it to grandma. Strong, yeah, strong sitcom I'll, energy. I'll put mine over grandma. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, you're right. I He's in maybe two, three scenes. And, yeah. And uh, he communicates such a full character, you know? I think I... And I mean, it's, I think it's a reflection. It makes sense with Mike Nichols, or he shows this director, and I think it's the... I think no feeling now that this might have been his opportunity to vent some things and yeah, it's like yeah. if you fuck up this movie i'll kill you right you know um and at the same time you know i think and the very and the very fact that mike nichols is working with this story and mm -hmm. is i think i think it's almost like gene hackman's character is reflecting or manifesting mm. that level of empathy that is yeah in this project no that's so true and i mean the thought that like maybe i'm put, give, giving put, no, putting well, too much weight to it i, mean, I, I like the thought of gene hackman as a stand-in for mike nichols in a way like not, yeah. not precisely but like, i know we're again it's not you it's know not, right. that, that's the tricky dynamic of this film and, you can't and, make this and like carrie it's, fisher it's not wrote it like she beat didn't for beat yeah thing. she didn't i don't think she well maybe she did but i don't believe she wrote it in mind with 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 all of Mike Nichols' baggage, in mind. right? I mean, but I then he is a director, comes and they in. were working together. I don't know. I, I guess I just, uh, yeah. I mean, there was. It's almost like through Gene Hackman, if he didn't get to have, because it's not just redemption for her; it's also for yeah. him. It's like, like I'm, I that was tough love, or that was me respecting you enough to not have tolerance for this, right? Like, you know, and you're right, like the. And I, I do remember feeling like um, like a plant that had been watered or something, you know, yeah. well, the way he nurtured her. I was like, oh, that's where she will get. And, yeah. and that wonderful, like, not that her family's totally a mess, but, you know, when you don't have a great relationship with your own family, maybe the kind of validation you get from those people you collaborate with, especially in creative professions, mm -hmm. that becomes kind of, you know, an important family of a kind. Like you think yeah. very fondly of those people. And yeah. Mike Nichols is a director who was very well thought of and very You have to be a good communicator of. and you have to understand emotions, the emotions of the actor as like a, a person. Oh, yeah. In that moment, I think. And, and you, they need to trust you. Or yeah. They're not going to be able to give you what you need yeah you know and it does seem like people really trust him um oh also supporting uh nod to <laughs> it was so this was when i again one of those moments where i'm like oh yeah this is very yeah this feels very joke like this is gonna be at times a little jokey mm -hmm. this movie oh, and yeah, when yeah. she's veering off from Dennis Quaid's place, and the gardener like does this very cartoonish yeah. kind of jump out of her way and goes, "Huera loca," <laughs> and it's like there's just there's moments like that yeah. at this, in this movie that like yeah. again, if you were expecting this to be a more raw like especially surely if you're expecting like a terms of endearment definitely not that or steel magnolia or so like some yeah. very or the or more melodrama by way of like mommy dearest even though that is a funny movie but mm -hmm. in a different way different way um this is intentional comedy yeah it is in intentional comedy you're right and i i'm actually i'm pleased that it's a comedy you because know. i think the, some of the jokes are so great you know and i mean and, even when she's getting her stomach pumped right she's, she's this this is again like you don't don't expect this to be like a, a uh um dramatically cathartic movie about you know drug addiction. abuse and addiction yeah. and the industry yeah. and um toxic relationships with family because yeah. it's, it's not going to give you that in a sense it's almost um like a reprieve from that kind of storytelling yeah, i think this is a nice like it's kind of anti um it, yeah it, like it's cynical without <laughs> being like sad 
I think yeah, it was you pretty. Know, it's like, fairly optimistic, actually. It's kind of, like it, it's, it's cynical. Like there's there's those the hol- the biz type humor throughout, but there is a bit of this optimistic ending of like she's well, her career continues. Her mother and her oh. continue to have a strong relationship. She's and Suzanne you know, is like, although she you know she's struggling with this issue, but everybody gets to know about it. Yeah, and you know there's so many cruel moments where you know the, you're reminded of how the actor is treated like a piece of meat. I yeah, mean, when she overhears the wardrobe and producer right. talking about, oh, she's got all this cellulite and her. I mean, her you could they could have like, really taken you into a dark place with all of that. And they didn't. You know, and they and they keep it pretty. I mean, it, it has this darkness, but it's so funny that you brought up Fleabag earlier because right, that is a show that has so much darkness but it's like but the the cutting yeah. wit is what like saves you from it and i think yeah. carrie fisher's definitely operating in a really similar way yeah i think that there's definitely some sort of like, like he, refinement he, and reiteration of that that is shown in flea, flea bag yeah dealing with it being a character who is treated as as unlikable or mm-hmm. liable or mm-hmm. you know m- continually whatever, makes yeah. mistakes but then yeah you know we through her like fourth wall break you know yeah. and we don't have that kind of fourth wall break in this but i feel like if like a hackneyed version they would a, do a it. hackneyed version of postcards would be that yeah um or she'd be writing postcards because they would take it too literally yeah or so, i don't know <laughs> like i don't know one something review, i think one review did a mean review said something about how like oh yeah this was uh you know bright and gestural so exactly like a postcard <laughs> <laughs> just like a cheap cliche what did they say uh, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair. I don't think that's either. fair. No, it's I not. think if any if anything this is sort of um I feel like this is like an empathetic like like uh like and and still self-aware like um process and laugh about how this world ha- yeah. what this life is like yeah, and, and how the world can be. I yeah. think it's like I think it's actually like a optimistic response was very to optimistic. that kind of world and treatment. Like, and Carrie Fisher too. Again, part of what makes her so beloved yeah. now is having gone through that experience of like sort of being disgracing yourself or whatever, or being yeah. going going through that experience of being a kind of purged by the industry or being you mm-hmm. know treated as this sort of. Um, uh, fuck up or whatever yeah, you know yeah. and and and, be, and and being able to, for her to have that ability to kind of push through that yeah. and to find the humor in that and not yeah. let that i guess break her in a sense well yeah it's interesting how you know, but she also doesn't treat it like she's some kind of warrior either i love that no. about her too she's like i'm not like the survivor it's like no i I did this stupid shit or yeah. I did I did this thing and I'm willing to, yeah, to the, the, look at it in the face. The conversation she has upon, you know, Suzanne has with the doctor upon waking from, you know, having your stomach pumped and this, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's, you know, she, she's she's very real about like, no, I, yes, I, I took it. Yes, I wanted to feel this. And then, yeah. you know, and then I didn't. And for her to kind of be like, but I never was this close to dying like, and i i also appreciate some, that too in the story like there's a new I, gravity the the idea of her of this character suzanne's perspective being such where she's not i think a movie like this could have been made much darker or a lot more um introspective and pain like showing all of this just like oh she's about to crack oh this is oh she's so fragile oh right oh she's got a smile but it's fading like it could have it could have gone that route but i like and i think that this can i think that this is a very honest way of looking at it Mm -hmm. be someone uh, suzanne being this character who didn't go in intentionally wanting to end her life, you know, right. on that night that she right. was just, you know, doing all of these drugs with Dennis Quaid, you know, and drinking. And you see the, you, you see to, this comically large bag of weed and, um, you know, like there's the prescription, you know, like we, we see all that stuff, yeah. but, um, you know, when she's being confronted about like, Oh, you, yes. you know, this is like suicidal behavior. And it's like, well, there, there is a, yeah sort of oh i i just didn't like i get i don't know i guess people want to always go into that like uh, you wanted you wanted to die you wanted you wanted you wanted just it's like no i was just i was just trying to have a good time (laughs) i don't know i guess that that there's something i like about that because it's refreshing to hear i think like not to get too personal but going mm -hmm. through my own 
addiction treatment, it's like everything is always so sensitive and handhold and, and like, you, you know, it's, there was this deep seated trauma and you were triggered in that moment. And that's why you socially went over the limit. It's like, well, actually I just, I, I thought I was funny and I wanted to be funnier. Like, you know, yeah. I was just like, Oh, like I, yeah. you know, sometimes people don't want to hear the simplicity yeah. of what makes a person absolutely do stupid things. Yeah. You know, it's almost frustratingly annoying when you went for other people to hear you say like, I just, I just wanted to feel good. Like, you know, I, no. And literally, just, um, again, I keep referring to this interview. It was Larry King live from 1990 with Carrie Fisher. Yeah. It's online. Go watch it. It's a great yeah. interview. She has very similar sentiments when he's asking her questions like, yeah, how did you become an addict or how did that happen? And she's you, like, were you abused? Yeah. You were neglected. You yeah, were this. And it's like, and she's, yeah, that, she, that stuff's not, not true. No, but she's but. saying something to the effect of like, no, I wanted to take the drugs. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I didn't. She's like, they feel good. And I, to me, it looked like medicine. And like it, exactly. the idea that like, I'm going to take this and then I'm going to feel better. Like, I think it's refreshing and and, at and maybe a little controversial for people to yeah. unpack that aspect of the use being something that is not perceived as the like right. by the addict's mind who right. like, yeah, this is just a fun thing or right. this is just you know and that and that makes it dangerous there is yeah. more something more insidious about that oh, absolutely in a certain yeah. aspect in a oh, certain and light. i mean but Car i mean carrie fisher and john belushi right were like they were close and right. like yeah he would he's like you're like me you know yeah. in the way that they would just go hard at it it's like, just you know, a, it, it's and, just a, a when you find that a gear in the car exactly like, and, that that, that and, mindset yeah and this again the same interview i know i keep saying it but you know it's also like you know and larry king was larry king you know how yeah. he is he's kind of oafish about his questions sometimes but um there was something about the way he was posing it all as if it was in the past you know, like mm -hmm. this is all a thing that you no longer do or never don't. Not that, you know, like you you don't struggle with this now. Right. You know, I mean, he didn't say it like that, but that was certainly the subtext. And, you know, of course, we know that Your life that was, story thing. Yeah. You know? And of course, that wasn't the end of it for her. Right. We all know. You yeah. Know? And and, you know, it's interesting to watch her face and you get the sense of like, I know I have to say the right thing here. Yeah. But I also know that. It doesn't work like that either. No, exactly. And again, it was 1990, different ideas. We, we've come, it's quite a different world now. Yeah. But um, I mean, 30 years difference. But it was a really interesting interview, quite a time capsule. Yeah. And also every caller and everybody's like, you look great. <laughs> As if that's the most important thing. Everyone's like, um, and you know, she said something really interesting. Which you know, is not much has changed in that capacity. Oh, I know, sadly. Yeah. Uh, she clearly was amused by it though. <laughs> she was like, kind of pulling faces like, so it makes it makes it easy to like yep. you see where the satire is like that, yeah. that awareness she, oh of, of yes it. because she she feels like, constantly removed from she was from churned it. up in it's the a hollywood blender she knows about perception she knows about what means to she talks about how talk shows are bizarre or whatever right and but he posed this kind of question like somebody asked about confidence and kind of like you know and the larry king's like right you know you you had money and you had this and you had you know you look like your mother what could you what could be right she's like right why could i what could i be possibly wrong right. in my life yeah, yeah i know she's like i understand the question she's like but it's not about what you're given in life it's how you take it yeah and i'm like yeah. ooh, wow that's put that on a shirt yeah <laughs> please it's, it's so spot on yeah so yeah. um all this is to say you know uh, long I know she's passed but long live Carrie Fisher absolutely you know um, yes what a great work I just an enjoyable my movie. princess my general just a great movie too I mean yeah. I really enjoyed this this was not it didn't drag for a second it was funny it was it was such a quick watch it was so zippy so zippy I can't be mad at that either I'm sorry Same. like I, I was engaged the whole time Same. too so not that's bored. that's like you can't even if like some of the, I get the criticisms of of of, e, of Roger Ebert, but like, I, There's, I can't deny I had a I had a good time watching this, and yeah. so I think it I think it achieves. I also quite a bit, and I'm not going to attribute this to his gender, but it, there was a certain presumptuousness on the part of certain critics who happened to be men. I, I yeah that, about kind of like oh this really fell apart for me as soon as it started to be about the mother and daughter. And I wonder how much of that had to do with any sort of these projections we've been talking about, yeah. and and I appreciate your uh, attempt at finding more female. 
I mean, uh, try, centric reviews. Maybe on Letterboxd, there'll be. Yeah, there, be you know, others. honestly, that would be the better place to and go. More for, uh, a I, modern. I think what uh, I'm usually doing woman's is lens. No, and like I, it's true. I normally am just trying to find things from then, but it does mean that right. It's good. It's good at the time seeing no, how it was course. received, but and I it think, is a sign of the times too. No, you're right, but there were some really good contemporary critics. I this mean, kind of response, and then her being in an interview, and they're like, "You look great. You look I great." I know. So like exactly. Like I just can't. It's like good Ever, for her at the same time to to it's it's laugh. It's like it's good in spite of all of that misinterpretation. Not to not to belittle any of the any of the pain that she was no, to, to, no, to have gone through because that that is a through line too. Yeah, um, yeah. there there is a, a void of some kind to be filled with use. Yeah. But like Well, um, and, I mean Carrie Fisher's entire life is just it it's it's not a normal life, right? You know, right? It's just not and a normal not, life. It's it's you know all the privileges aside, you know, it's, yeah, it's, and that can fuck you up worse sometimes. You yeah, know? like I mean, I'm not. Listen, I would love, <laughs> I'd love to have a trust fund, but, um, but you know, I I also think um, being again what she said, it's certain not, it's, it's, not, it's living in a in a you can grow to resent yourself a yeah, lot more if I you're can born only, with all that shit. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine her being oh, the, the daughter of these these juggernauts of Hollywood and just being constantly put on display yep. and then all of these um assumptions of what she will turn yeah. out to be oh, yeah. or what she ought to turn out to be yeah and then even when you do work hard and achieve things that being um sort of like oh well it's nepotism or then i don't know i guess i'm not trying to, to defend no. all the nepotism babies out there but it's, you know i think, I think there there is that that i think it's uh, a more complicated story perhaps yeah. than just like oh your mom was famous like right that's its own struggle like i would not want to be john lennon's son you know what i mean like oh yeah. god like what a horrible i'm sorry julian and uh, the other guy. Oh, man. <laughs> Sean. No. It's Sean. Yeah, it's Sean. Okay. I remember. That's Julian and Sean. Whatever. They're not listening. That's <laughs> no, but I get it. I get what you're saying. You get what I get saying. what you're saying. It, it's, yeah. Or it's like being Jacob Dylan, you know, Bob Dylan's son. Sure. You know, you make one good hit with the wallflowers and that's it. Yeah. I, I believe that. One headlight. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just wanted to sing that. I just said you wanted to say, okay, Victoria, we All can right. end with a song. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Uh, uh, it just twirled up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can follow us on social media at Fresh Movie Pod, Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at a breath of fresh movie at gmail.com. And don't say you 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 don't know anything about Mike Nichols after this episode, you guys. Yeah, I, I just I didn't even get into his Arabian horse collection. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is a real thing. That's not a joke. Then that's it.